Greetings and salutations, fellow human. Welcome to the 110th episode of Masterclass. Or should I say The Masterclass? I think I'd have that right by now, wouldn't you? Yes. David. I do think you would have it right by now. I also would think you wouldn't be so exclusive of our non-human listeners. Well, I'd say I'm a humanist, but I'm not because, well, you know, I don't have that world. But I don't know. If you're an alien life form somehow listening to Earth podcasts, um, beep or poop, bop, bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> Yeah, I that guess was, we're not really... That was terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. I'm like tempted to start the show over. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 110 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam. His name is Dave. Please disregard everything you've heard thus far. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's good to be here. Indeed. In your, uh, our, our freshly painted uh, beta studio. Beta studio. Yes. It's been, I think it was August 5th that our basement flooded. So It's been a while. Three months? Has it really been through? Oh my gosh. That long? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So anyway, yeah, we're finally getting our basement fixed after it was, after the sump pump didn't kick on. It really didn't even flood. It was the sump pump didn't kick on. So, yeah. Stupid sump pumps. Stupid sump pumps. Which is, wasn't even two years old. Is, uh, is sump uh, short for something? I have no idea. I've never actually questioned why it's called that. Pump, obviously, it pumps water, but what does sump mean? Not a clue. I, I don't have know. no idea. A sumptuous pump? I don't know. That's probably not right. Mm-mm. Is it an acronym? I, I, I can't even come up with anything. Yeah, I... Sump. The super underground moving power pump. Yeah, all right. Anyways, um, <clears throat> um, we don't have any follow-up, do we? Not that I'm aware of, no. All right. I should probably check our email, too. Yes. There's probably not anything there. Because most people just email me directly or hit us up on Twitter. Which you can do. A sump is a pit or hollow in which liquid collects. <laughs> or a hollow. I like that. Nice. Okay, so it is just a sump. Yeah, that's a that's a gross word. Yeah, I must say I hadn't really ever thought about it. But. Well, I'm glad I could stimulate your brain in that way, Dave. Anyways, if you want to get us on Twitter uh, after this just thrilling dialogue, uh, you can do so. Uh, Dave's at David J Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. Um, you can go to our website supermegacorp.net and see all the other shows we do. Um, we've got a new show coming very soon, yeah. which is exciting. We haven't added a new podcast in a while. We've been taking them away, which is so sad. It's kind of sad. Um, cause Mendoza line just ended for the season. Yeah. Baseball's over. It's a trap is on hiatus. I'm, I miss that one though. We're not oh, doing the college football blog this year. Just oh, so sad, but we have a new show coming. Do you want to tell them about it or should we just leave it at that? Um, and let the suspense build until we release yeah, it. Yeah, let's wait until we're ready to say 
it's there. cold-blooded move, Dave. I like it. Anyways, uh, you can get the show notes for this episode at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 110 on the interwebs. Um, we have a Patreon page because clearly this show deserves your money based on how <laughs> stellar our professional night is. we are at this. Uh, it's patreon.com slash supermegacorp, and we got all sorts of fun rewards, and I'm thinking about revamping some of them to uh, provide a little more value back to our patrons. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, still thinking about it, but if you're interested, go check it out. Yeah. And we thank you very much for listening. Absolutely. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so we're talking, what, Romans now? Yes, we've decided to undertake a task. Yes, to intellectually flog ourselves by trying to dissect Romans and discuss. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to start in the first chapter. And uh, like we said last episode, we're probably not going to go verse by verse like we did with Matthew. Um, but we are going to work our way through the book. And we're just going to kind of ride it and see how it happens. Or see what happens, I should say. You look flummoxed, Dave. No, I'm good. Okay. So we'll start with verse 16. Of chapter 1, yes. Chapter 1. All right. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with, with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to debased mind and to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, Covetous, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice these th- such things deserve to die, they did, wait, they not only, wow. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. All right. Yeah. Where where to begin? I think we'll start at the beginning. How about that? Yep. So I like 
I like that Paul comes right out the front door with his letter. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, like, he gives a pretty flowery beginning that we didn't read and then tells the Romans he's excited to finally, you know, be coming to see them. And then he just hits the ground running mm-hmm. with um, some pretty intense stuff, right? Absolutely. And he starts out positive, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Um, and then he, you know, explains it for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, um, the Jew and the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God uh, is revealed from faith for faith, uh, as it is written, the righteous shall live, live by faith. Um, so yeah, he, he introduces himself, gives them the blessing, says, I'm excited to be coming, I've been wanting to for a long time, and then says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Like, this is what we're going to be talking about while I'm there. This is what I'm going to be talking about in the rest of this letter. And I think it's a, uh, for me, you know, if I think, like, am I ashamed of it? Or am I um, wary to talk about it? Or, you know, do I shy away from bringing it up, you know, in in social settings? Whereas Paul's just like, look, here's who I am. Here's why I want to come. I'm not ashamed about this. Let's go. And I And I appreciate the directness, I guess is what I'm trying to say, of how he starts the letter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just even the idea of not being ashamed of the gospel. Um, so the gospel is the good news. And the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. And I don't know that we always think of in Paul's day that there was opposition to Christianity and there was opposition to what Jesus did. And so, um, and not just being a, oh, people not like, may not like me opposition, but truly being persecuted. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, his boldness of, um, I'm not ashamed, uh, of the gospel definitely carries, uh, some weight behind it. And then again, immediately goes into why it matters because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Uh, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. And again, I think that's even just the second part of all of this, that in addition to there being persecution for this, um, the Jews didn't necessarily, you know, religious people, Jewish people didn't necessarily agree that the gospel was the gospel. No, no, yeah, they they tried to kill him. Well, not all Jews, well, but a he, select few. Well, yeah. he, he was the, the worst. I guess that's probably even a better place to start is he was the guy doing the killing. I mean, he was the one standing there giving approval when Stephen was stoned to death Yeah, he for was, not being ashamed of the gospel. He was, he's like the Bible version of Boba Fett going around doing all the bounty hunting. Yeah. Well, and then when he got converted, they had to like go and convince everyone, like, no, this isn't a ruse. He's not some secret agent, you know? He, this is a genuine conversion. This is, you know, it is the same guy, but it's not right. in a way, you know, yep. there's been a drastic change, which is, I, I think also kind of funny on God's part. Like, where's Jesus going to be born? Some, you know, backwoods town in the middle of, you know, nowhere in, you know, middle of no time, really. And then who am I going to use to help further the cause as much as possible? Probably one of my worst enemies. Like, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's, I, you know, this was a more juvenile thought or discussion than I remember having 
maybe as late as college of, you know, those comments of, gosh, how cool would it be if so-and-so became a Christian mm-hmm. and pick the famous person of the day that everybody wants to follow, be like, and uh, how cool would it be if so-and-so became a Christian? Then everybody would believe because, you know... Yeah, if Hugh Hefner all of a sudden became a Christian, yeah. then, yeah. And and if you take Paul, well, that's that's... What happened. What happened. You basically take the guy that nobody thinks is going to become a Christian, becomes a Christian, and then is the most fervent, you know, in proclaiming what he believes. And therefore, so so I guess even in that, it is, yeah, look at the impact that that could, that kind of a testimony could have, because he wrote like 60% of the New Testament, and we're still studying what he had to say about the Christian faith 2,000 years later. And so, yeah, I, I guess I don't want to totally uh, nullify the, wow, could you imagine the impact if so-and-so became a Christian? <laughs> because that's what happened with Paul. He had a major impact. So mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I, I, you mentioned it already, um, but I like how he um, you know, defines the Gospels as far as the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Like That's a really, I think, succinct and atypical definition of the Gospel. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to ask someone today, what's the gospel? Oh, that Jesus died and rose again. And, like, you get the really, like, kind of the narrative. And this is like, no, it's the power of God for salvation for everyone. Like, that's what yeah. it is. Now, yes, all the stuff about Jesus is true. But, like, if you want the, the succinct, all-encompassing answer, it is, you know, this. The power of God for salvation to everyone. Yeah. Sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah, and it's and you know what it doesn't go and and then Paul doesn't continue by saying, um, if you do this and you do this and you do this, nope, it's for everyone who believes. Mm-hmm. And again, and we may get into this more as we go through Romans of what it means to believe. Um, but I'm definitely convinced after some time on this earth, trying my best to live as a Christian. That's probably even more works-based than I intended it to be, but um, believing needs, there needs to be some proof that you believe. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe Jesus is a good guy. I believe he's the son of God. I think there's definitely some tangible things that, you, that go with that. And so many anyway. tracks you hand out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny at work. So we, do a shift briefing and there's a podium at the front of the room and I don't always do it and I rarely do it intentionally, but every now and then I give a little sermon <laughs> from the, the pulpit. But since Halloween, there's been a track up there that somebody had picked up on Halloween night about the million dollar question. And that's, are you going to heaven or hell? Only a million dollars. That's what you're valuing my that's, life that's at. That's a million dollar question is, are you going to heaven or hell? And, but it's kind of funny that it's like it's been sitting on that podium for like the last two weeks and not really sure what it's doing there, if anybody put it there intentionally. or Someone or some ones will leave tracks at the coffee shop every once in a while, like on the tables, and I just walk around and pick them up and throw them straight in the trash. And then I tell my coworker, Christians are the worst. And they look at me funny. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm one. I know. I know. But I just don't. I don't. I don't understand. You'd never know. If you're someone who hands out tracks and are listening, tell me why. 
not I'm like I'm not being snarky. That came off snarky. That's not what I. But like obviously, if you're handing them out, you believe that there's a reason to hand them out, and I would just love to know why, how you came to that conclusion. Because I have come to a different one. Well, but and, I am willing to be. Uh, I'm willing to be in conversation about it. And and I would say for me, I can get the whole. If you're somebody that's like, hey, I'm gonna just increase the chances mm-hmm. kind of a person you know in addition to being in relationship with people in addition to sharing your faith with people you say i'm just going to do tracks because i can do it but if that's your primary method of sharing the gospel yeah that's where i guess my i i just don't hopefully it is not your most primary way of sharing the gospel because that aspect i would argue or debate uh, yeah um, we're just gonna move on okay if someone wants to write in and tell, talk to me about it and, or ask questions or like that's we will continue this conversation then but i don't want to we don't have to be hypothetical yeah okay well i just i don't want to i'm we'll following, move on. i'm following thumper's rule okay that's what right that's what it was if you can't say anything good don't say anything at all or maybe yeah mm, what a spiritual classic that one is <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so God's wrath on the unrighteous is the little header here that someone along the lines threw in. Um, hmm. God's wrath on unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, nice to meet you, happy to be there, this is the gospel, God's wrath. Like, I guess it has a place because we just talked about the gospel and that's part of it. Yeah, because I think, implicit, large part I think implicit in the gospel is if there's salvation for some, then there's not salvation for others. And God does not do things halfway. It's like if 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 this is comp- this is the spectrum of uh, salvation, then the other end has some dire consequences to it. But God is love; He'd never harm anyone. Yeah. So God's wrath <clears throat> for the wrath of God uh, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, so there's some really interesting stuff that we're about to read that as you were reading it, I was thinking about, and it like made me just question like my existence. <laughs> so if I start to fumble over my words, it's because I don't quite know how I want to say what I want to say yet, because mm-hmm. it's, it's just a big concept. So let me continue, and hopefully... Um, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, yada, yada, yada. And so, like, we read it already. I don't want to read the whole thing again. Paul's argument here about why sinful people do sinful things and think it's okay and even encourage other people to do sinful things is that according to Paul, God and his work should be obvious to everyone just by looking around. Yes. And seeing creation, seeing the sky, the sun, the stars, the mountains, the trees, the animals, the rivers, the oceans, the snow, the human body. Everything should just be obvious to people, according to Paul, that God exists. And then he says, because they did not honor him as God uh, uh, or gave thanks to him, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then they did stupid stuff and they did more stupid stuff. And it's like it, it spirals out of control. And 
I wonder, and this is where I think my words are going to start to get a little messy, is if you, if you look at human nature and how people live their lives and what they make decisions based off of, right? I would venture to guess that most people think they're right about a lot of stuff. And if it's true that our foolishness builds upon itself, like Paul is saying, is it possible that our, our way of thinking, our, our ability to understand what's true and what's not true can get so warped over time that people see the gospel and see Jesus and are unable to see the truth, the benefit, the appeal of what Jesus did and who Jesus is? Are they unable to look at creation and see even the possibility of it being created and not just being an accident? You know, like you see so many people that are brilliant intellectually, but automatically exclude Christianity as an option because it's a crutch or there is no empirical evidence and you know and i just want to be like look at the universe like up until this point we haven't found any other life anywhere and if we do that still doesn't break christianity at all or the bible but it just seems to me you know if we're going to take um what is it occam's razor the simplest is that what occam's razor is the simplest answer is usually the right one anyways i know what you're talking about but i don't know if that's the i think that's occam's razor I could be wrong, though. <laughs> Anyways, my point is, if you look at the way creation works, the way ecosystems work, the way the weather works, the fact that we live on the only inhabitable planet that we've ever come across, like it just I think Paul has a point, is what I'm trying to say. But I, but I also wonder, can people get to a point where the foolishness has compounded so much that they can't get back? doesn't mean that God can't save them, but it might mean that they choose not to believe because they, you know, that's all I'm trying to, because like, if you read through this, it's, it leads to this and then to that and to this and that compounds on that. And then they start doing this. And then, you know, by the end, I don't know. I told you it wasn't going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> no, I, I actually think you are making sense. Yeah. Cause, and it's, so it's, um, so I, you know, I was never an adult non-Christian. Not was never an adult non-believer, and so yes, when I think of things, just like you said, even the human body and and just the number of different things that the human body uh, can do. I mean, just the concept of sight and hearing, and that all of this is this, you know, what we call the brain and. Mm-hmm there's chemicals that are in there and electricity in there. And I mean, there's just, it is so complex. Um, it is difficult for me to think that this was just an accident. Like truly. And I, I don't mean to me, it's harder to believe in evolution than it is to believe in creation. What do you mean by that? Because I feel like you need to define your terms very specifically there. So in terms of evolution, I mean that, the, Are you the talking earth, micro or macro? Macro, in terms of okay. the earth was covered in, you know, this soup, and there was... Who made the soup? Uh, the soup, um, well, the big, it all happened with the Big Bang. Well, but... But anyway, okay. that, that a single cell, you know... be a fun discussion. That, that a single cell 
organism became, you know, 350 different species. Yes. And, and just even that there's the way that there's really no evidence of in between, you know, in the fossil records. And I, I know there's people that would disagree with me on that, but it just does not, like I said, I've, I've, I'm coming from the perspective of an adult Christian. I was not somebody that did not necessarily grow in a, necessarily grew up in a Christian home, but my belief system from 18 on has been based on, you know, believing that God is who he says he is. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I look at creation and I go, this could be nothing but God. Mm-hmm. Like for me personally, it seems like more of a leap to go that this happened on accident than it happened by intelligent design. And I would, and this might <laughs> offend some people, like I'm even more inclined to go, yeah, aliens started all of this and we're just a big uh, experiment. Yeah. Experiment. Then I, you know, so intelligent design, I guess I would fall under intelligent design and I give that to God, you know, an eternal God who became mm-hmm. man, whereas some others might, like, to me, that makes more sense than saying we evolved over billions and millions of years. As I say that, and we've said it before, I don't have any problem saying that the earth is old. I have no problem with a you know, billion, the earth being old and God taking his time to do creation. You're not a seven-day creationist. Oh, for shame, David. <laughs> um, so. I don't know whenever I shame people on the show, I go with a southern accent. That's probably not a smart move <laughs> on my part. So, God, I didn't realize we were going to talk about evolution today. Okay, here's my, uh, here's my viewpoint on it, is I think when evolution stays as a scientific theory about how things happened, totally cool with it. When it becomes a worldview about why they happened, that's when it starts to go screwy with me. Sure. Because as far as I'm aware, the purpose of science is not to determine intent. It is to determine what has happened. Right. Maybe why it happens, you know, why this chemical reacts with that chemical or, or, you know, why a sperm and an egg make a baby, but not ever to determine intent or purpose, like for something, right? It's to document how things happen mm-hmm. and why they happen that way. And so, like, sure, Big Bang, not a problem with it. I don't, yeah, I'm fine with that as well. Earth being a bajillion years old, sure. But, and I'm, I'm even cool with God allowing, I mean, because obviously evolution happens, right? Animals adapt to their surroundings. Humans adapt to their surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, over time. It just happens. We, you know, like anyone who argues that doesn't, I think, have a leg to stand on. But I think when evolution becomes a philosophy for, or a worldview, and it leaves behind the, strict rules of science and becomes a worldview, it has overstepped its bounds. And that's where I take issue with it. And that's when we get into the macro stuff of there was this globule of, you know, intergalactic, you know, goop. And that became, well, and it just goes against what you see in physics. I mean, the natural laws that govern our world, our, our, our universe is dying. Our sun is dying. Things wind down. They not don't, up, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's what evolution requires us to believe, but, but you don't see that. You, you just don't see it in the laws of physics. You don't see uh, order coming from chaos. You see things moving towards chaos. Yeah, and so, entropy. And so, yeah, it, 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 there's a finite amount of energy 
in our universe, and we're we're using it. Our sun is burning it, and then we benefit from that, and we're you know we're consuming that energy. And you know, I guess if you believe that the Big Bang was some uh, was some kind of well, but but even in that, I just I I get that I'm not a physicist. I get that I'm not a scientist. But you know, even the explosion of the universe. It, to believe that the the Big Bang is what started the universe, Hat did not have a creator behind it. Again, it's moving. It, it's moving. By it, it's uh, degrading. It's not. You know. Anyway, I think I made my point. Yeah, I've I've had a version of this conversation with my sister Katie, and I brought up the human eye, and she like threw that under the bus, and I don't remember what she said. <laughs> But anyways, if you're listening, Katie or anyone else that thinks we're idiots for what we just said, let us know why. Because, you know, that's how discussions happen and how people learn. But yeah, anyways, so I just think it's interesting the the transition that happens in that passage, right? They didn't give God the respect or the trust or what does he say exactly? Hold on. I want to actually make sure I'm coding him, you know, do my research. <laughs> don't want Snopes to come in here and say we don't fact check. <laughs> Um, for they, uh, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So I guess kind of what I want to talk about now after that evolution, I did not expect us to talk about that tonight <laughs> at all, which is totally fine. I like surprises. Um, is if our judgment of what is right and what is true is skewed. And I realize I'm starting on a premise there that may not be true. Some people might say it's not skewed and it's totally fine. And we are, you know, able to judge right from wrong just inherently. But again, I doubt I, that. But, but even in that. Or why do you think that? You know? Yeah. What, what, why do we decide that that's right and that's wrong if there's no basis for that? Well, I'm not even, God, I'm not even going there because that's, oh man, this is going to be <laughs> such a good discussion for the next couple of weeks. This is going to be fun. Um, yeah, the whole yeah, highest moral um, compass or whatever. Um, but I'm thinking just like as humans, right? I'm not even talking about like why we say something is right and something is wrong based on God or personal preference. So not, or mora- not-, not, not, yeah, not like a moral guide. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying if our ability to perceive right and wrong is skewed because we're sinners, based on what Paul is saying, if our ability to do that is skewed, and we make foolish decisions, and that skews it even more. How can we trust ourselves? How can we trust what we hear and what people are telling us are true? How, like, how does somebody who has lived a life of sin, like to me, that makes anyone who gets saved an even more miraculous occurrence that God is able to fight through, based on what I think Paul is saying here, a lifetime of you know, turning away from him. Yeah. That kind of builds each decision builds yeah. on the next. And well, and it's like the theory of like, you don't go from, you know, a cute little kid to a serial killer in a day. Like that is a lifetime of turns. You don't go from good to wicked in a day that takes time. And that takes a lot of little turns before you wind up being there. Right. Yeah, And I would say the turns are decisions that we make. Well, I would think that's part of it, but I'd also think it would be situations that happen to us. You know what I mean? Experiences that we Yeah, have. like if... But see, I, I, I guess I would even argue it's how we decide to respond to that. Right, but 
if that's not if that doesn't happen to us, then that choice never has to be made. Sure. And I think sometimes those decisions become easier to make poorly if you already have biases towards someone for some reason, and then that hap- something they do happen. Like if you're already biased towards, you know, if you're a white guy and you're already biased towards black folks, and you get robbed or mugged by a black guy, you're not gonna go the other way, right? You, the chances are you're going to be even more biased, if not racist, after that. And that's not the guy who mugged. I mean, like, it's, I'm just trying to figure out the, the process of how we make decisions, why we make decisions, how our ability to understand what's good and true can shift throughout life. Like, I'm just trying to think, how does... Because, like, okay, we had a, a lady at my church in Detroit uh, Cindy, uh, was a prostitute for most of her life, did just copious amounts of drugs. I mean, she's the sweetest little lady, but I mean, she is, I mean, irreparable damage, mm-hmm. um, to her brain from all the drugs that she's done. And still somehow she found, or Jesus found her and changed her life. And she's wonderful. And she does great work. Uh, at a at a shelter for women and children that are they're trying to get off the street and get out of, you know, work in the corners and that sort of stuff. Um, and so, like, I see I see someone like that, and I hate team classifier that way. I see someone who had a really 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 hard life mm-hmm. and made lots of really bad choices mm-hmm. come to Jesus. And I see like that in Romans one, kind of explaining her trajectory of life, mm-hmm. and. Still, God's able to get through to her, but there are so many more like that that never come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is this it, making any sense? Well, it's making sense, but I guess even what is within me as you're saying this is um, a, I find myself saying, what is the motive for the decisions that somebody makes? Uh-huh. Is, that, is that on some deeper level? why God allows some people to find him and others not to to find him in terms of, you know, is Cindy somebody that was genuinely seeking truth? Mm-hmm. And while she, you know, her decisions of being, um, you know, a prostitute, was it, this is a means for survival for me? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Drugs are an escape um, that... You know, in in the things that she was doing, in her own way, she was truly seeking truth. She was she was seeking more than just. Um, and then, are there those that there's maybe more a devious side, evil side? I don't know, because as we'll talk about in Romans three twenty three, all fall short, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So. I don't even know that I'm articulating the thought that, that what, of what you were saying in that I don't think it's so much the deeds that are done, but maybe the motivation behind why they are done. And when it's done for survival, when it's done for meeting a basic human need, is that different than consciously choosing against God in some way? Because somebody. You know, I, like doing drugs. Yeah, I, 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 nothing is coming to my mind that can kind of represent what I'm trying to think here. Because I feel like in this verse, there's, there's definitely 
the sense of them choosing against God, which I guess we all do. So yeah, mm-hmm. anyway. Well, yeah, and it's, yeah, and then it says, you know, God gives them up to a debased mind, so they do this, and then they choose not to, uh, you know, acknowledge God, so mm-hmm. God gives, so it's just, I mean, because is there a difference if in the moment of the sin, I, it's like, God, for, you know, whether they're conscious of it or not, there's an underlying God, forgive me, I know this isn't right. Yeah, this, but like this to me is like a bit of a slippery slope because. Oh, I, I, de- I definitely agree. I agree. Like you don't ever want to condone sin. Nope. And say that it's okay. But at the same time, it's like these people sinned. God responds by allowing them to be foolish. They sin again. God darkens their heart. They sin again. And God gives them to like, he, like he allows it to happen. And then it even says in, um, Verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, blah, blah, blah. And then Paul goes on that just ridiculous list of envy, murder, strife. Yeah, and then, and then though they know God's righteous decree. So I just, is it, okay, is it fair? And I realize that's not a good term to use, because if God was about fairness, you never would have sent Jesus. So maybe I should rephrase it. Is it godly? for God to allow people to drive their lives into the ground. Like, I feel like he should be like, hey, hey, guys, stop. You probably don't want to do this. Or, and I already kind of know what my answer is, but like, is the world enough? Is creation enough for people to go? Or should it be enough for people to stop and look and go, okay, someone made it. I need to find out who. I think, and I think one of the problems playing against that is that us modern people and our technology and science and rockets mm-hmm. and stuff look back at when we were tribal and hunters and gatherers and, you know, Mother Earth and like they got it, whether or not they thought it was God, you know, of the Bible, they acknowledge the, the deity of the earth providing mm-hmm. everything that we need to live. And so I wonder if modern people look at creation and don't think of God because they look at it as something that lesser developed people believe and we're better and more progressive and move beyond that. So it can't be that. You know, it doesn't. Like, I just wonder if they think that's beneath them because of how much we've progressed as a, as a culture or, I mean, as a, a you know, civilizations. Right. And and I guess, so I think even what you're saying now is a little bit of what I was kind of talking about earlier in terms of like, what is your motivation for why you believe what you believe? You know, because it's kind of like the whole, it's easier for, uh, you know, a rich person, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for, it's it's like with affluence becomes this dependence we become dependent or reliant on ourselves whereas when you don't have as much there is a more dependent on god uh, no, that's not even what i wanted to say so much either okay so when you're talking earlier i'm going to shift gears okay and this is one of the thoughts that i was having is so if i take paul who was who was saul mm-hmm. before his conversion in that to me he was a sinner he was lost and he was going to hell but he believed in God, 
And he was, I mean, he was living life with the fervor in terms of this is what I believe and, and just, you know, going after it. And God decides to intervene and go, Hey, 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 no, why are you persecuting me? What, you know, what is this all about? And he has a conversion experience. And I feel like in that there was a, you know, a genuineness in Paul's motivation that God was like, you're, I appreciate it, but you're, you're off. And so I'm going to intervene. And I don't know why my next example is the example I'm thinking of, but, um, but then I take, um, it talks about in the old Testament of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. And, and, and so in that, I see it being a, you know, he was not looking towards God. It was about Pharaoh and it was about his power. It was about making himself great. And, um, and in that God just said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you over to that because that's what you really want. You don't want me. You don't want the creator. You don't want that relationship. You want these things. And you know what? I, I, I'm going to give it to you. And the natural consequence of, um, the natural consequence of that is a depraved mind. It's, 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 it's worse because it's really not even him punishing the person. It's just him giving them over to what they want. And when you actually play out what somebody wants, it's, it falls short. The other thing is, is I personally don't believe hell is a literal lake of fire. I, I believe hell is the absence of God. And we are so ignorant of what the absence of God's love, God's presence with us being, the best way you can describe that is to, to describe it as like a, 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 a lake of fire, you know, the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth. And I, I truly think that being in a room without God's presence, just in a room, just existing somewhere with God's presence being completely removed from you is truly far worse than being in a lake of fire. But we just can't even begin to comprehend how present God even really is in our world. Um, even when we're a sinful fallen, you know, being, um, and much of what Romans one is talking about here is just that sense of, I know it talks about God's wrath, but it's more of a, for salvation to be on this end of the spectrum, to choose against salvation has to be just that awful. Mm-hmm. So. Mm, much to think about. Yeah. And I'm guessing we'll have plenty to discuss over the next oh, yeah. <laughs> a few weeks here. Um, yes. So I, so I guess, and I've, we, we've never really done this before and it may backfire on me. Is do we need to have a like a this is where we're going to go to next? This is what we're going to try to talk about next time, even though we said we're not going to go verse by verse. And I don't know, I mean, I kind of want to go like through the book, right? But not necessarily talk about every verse. So I feel like we should stick to the why is there a certain thing you want to talk about because you seem no, like, like, uh, one of the things I think that we have done in the master class when we've when we've done this is is we intend it to be a discussion uh-huh. and we don't always um we're not trying to give anybody answers 
I think we're, we're, you know, truly working out our salvation, um, in a, the, the relationship that you and I have, the relationship that we have with the folks that, um, listen and engage with us. And, um, so I, so no, I didn't have a specific topic, but I just was kind of like, okay, do we need to like tidy this up a little bit <laughs> and say, this is what, you know, this is, this is what somebody smarter than us has labeled this. And this is what we, we didn't even know this is what we were talking about. And mm-hmm. Anyway, like I said, that may have backfired on me because I may have made that more complicated than I intended it. But well, I will have a link in the show notes to, um, Occam's razor. And if I was wrong to what I was actually talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, um, this discussion on Romans is going to be much more fruitful if listeners write in, I would agree, um, and share their perspectives, especially when, you know, we start talking about the law and justification and sanctification and glorification and all the other occasions. My jokes are so bad tonight. (laughs) Like I want to go put myself in timeout. Um, Gosh, I'm so disappointed. But there's there's just a lot of really, really big stuff. Like the fact that we talked about evolution tonight, not surprising, just didn't know we were going to do it. Uh, or creation. Um, there's just going to be a lot of discussions like that. And the more input we get from you, the listener, uh, I think is only going to be better for us and for other listeners. Um, because, you know, the more you know, Dave. Yes. So, uh, again, you can email us, hello at supermegacorp.net, Dave's at David J. Hogue on Twitter, I'm at Cam Brennan, um, patreon.com slash supermegacorp, um, supermegacorp.net for other goodies. Oh, if you really want to get in on the discussion, one of the Patreon rewards is uh, you can join our Slack, which has been a ghost town. But if you join, maybe it won't be. <laughs> All right. Uh, any closing thoughts? That's it. All right. Sayonara. Goodbye.